that wasn't the first realtor I worked with. And that wasn't the first house I toured. I had probably been doing that for a year. And I think that was my fifth realtor because it's just a trial and error game. You work with someone, you ask them a bunch of questions and sometimes it doesn't work out or they offer you advice and it's, you know, wrong. You realize, or they don't completely understand it, or you just, I, I, I probably toured like 50 houses before I found the one that we ended up buying. So I just want to stress that like, it wasn't as simple as, oh, I went on my computer, found a house, bought it, flipped it. And that was that, like, it took a lot of trial and error and we made a lot of mistakes too. Welcome to the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show, a community for real estate investors to learn, network, and grow. Be sure to join the investnest.com and start learning and earning today. Hey, what's up, Nesters? This is Travis Murphy, and you're listening to the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. As always, we've got another great invest guest joining us today. Rachel Karen with Rachel's Rentals is going to tell us a little bit about her investing journey. Uh, but before we start, I want to thank everybody who's been tuning into the podcast every week. I can see our numbers rising, uh, so I, I really do appreciate it. I hope you guys are all enjoying the show. Um, continue to please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review and rating. It's really helping us out a lot, uh, so I appreciate that. Of course, follow along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Invest Nest, and go check out theinvestnest.com. It's an online community for real estate investors to connect and network, and we have a lot of uh, really cool new features coming up very soon. Um, we're going to be adding to the website. I'll be making some announcements of that in the coming weeks, so stay tuned. A lot of cool things coming up. All right, and now I'm going to welcome our invest guest of the week, Rachel Karen. She is with Rachel's Rentals, and uh, she is, I believe, a property manager by day and a, a newer real estate investor by evening and weekend. I don't know, but Rachel's going to tell us a little bit more about that. So, Rachel, welcome to the Invest Nest. Yeah, thanks. I'm so excited to be here. So, Absolutely. I actually have some news. I am not a property manager anymore. Um, I know when we had spoken a few weeks ago or a month ago, um, I was, but I recently quit that job. Um, so I'm actually no longer working in that field, um, which is a little bit of a newer development. Okay. Wow. That's, that's interesting. Very curious to find out if you're comfortable talking about it. I'm very curious to find out um, what's going on there. But first, before we get into that, can you just tell us a little bit about what you were doing in, in the property management industry you know, before you quit and what you're doing with real estate investing, if, if anything? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my story actually dates back before that company. When I went to college, um, I went for, I, I kind of discovered real estate when I was in college and I took an accounting class and everything just clicked. Um, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I was like, okay, this is really cool, but I don't know anything. Like, I want to dive in and learn as much as possible. So um, from there, I got a job at a bank, and I worked there for a year. Um, I, it was a really awesome bank to work for. They had great customer service, great relationships. Um, and so I got to network. I was, I was a teller. I was on the front line. So I got to network with a lot of people there, you know, investors, business owners, stuff like that. And then from there, I met a local um, property manager and developer. And so I worked with his company for about a year or two. Um, so I got a lot of great experience there. He's building like 100 unit buildings, but he also has, you know, 
duplexes and single family homes. He does a lot of student rentals. Um, so that was a really cool opportunity. And then from there, when I graduated, I worked for this company that I just ended up leaving. Um, and that was a big shift because they managed over 2000 units. So that was really cool for me to jump right in and just, you know, hands on hit the ground running. Yeah. But it just wasn't the right fit for me. So just in how the operations were run and how people were treated, it just wasn't exactly where I wanted to work. Um, and what, you know, my goals and my values were, it just didn't click with that company. Okay. So, okay, real quick, real quick, before we get too much into that, I want to kind of unpack what we were just talking about, uh, what you were just telling us about. So when you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, about how long ago was that? Um, I think that was three years ago okay so and that's what that's kind of when you started really getting gaining interest in real estate and real estate investing and passive income yeah yeah okay. absolutely okay but you were working you were going to school you were working as a bank teller doing getting some good networking in and then you ended up hooking up with a developer slash property man and he he hired you on as a property manager for his properties it yeah it was i was an intern so i was part property management, part development. I didn't do a whole lot of development. I just got to like follow him around and watch him and go to meetings with him. But I still learned a lot too. No, I mean, that's, that's great. That's interesting because like, that's, you know, you got to, you got to a peek into somebody's life like that, that I'm sure you learned, even if you didn't realize you were learning at the, at the time, you know, what exactly he was doing in hindsight, right. now that you're more in real estate investing, I'm sure there's a lot you can draw from that experience. How, how did you connect with that guy? Was that through working at the bank? Yeah, so he was um, a frequent customer there. And then, you know, as I started networking with like the, the business bankers and the people who worked higher up in the bank, they're like, oh, Rachel, you like real estate. Maybe you should, um, maybe you should talk to Marvin is his name. Maybe you guys should meet up. And um, someone actually made the connection for us and just talked about, oh, like, do you have an internship program, something like that? Because they had at, you know, they were getting interested in what I was interested in and they reached out and made that connection for us. So that was really nice. Yeah. So there it is. You're, you're talking about real estate. You're, you know, even if it's not at a networking event, you know, the people that you're working with, the people you're surrounded with, they know that you're interested in real estate. So those type of connections just happen when you put yourself out there and you're talking about real estate and investing and, and, you know, just being out there and, and, talking to different people, networking with different people, opportunities arise, and it sounds like you took advantage of it. So that's great. And what can I ask what area you're in or what area this took place in? Yeah, I'm in Western Wisconsin. So okay. the, you know, I'm in cities that have like 60,000 people. So not huge, but also not farm country. Okay, no, that's cool. I want to talk about that in a little bit too, when we get more into the real estate investing side of things. So I guess you went through that experience as an intern. I'm sure you learned a lot. And then now fast forward to the more recent job, the W-2 as an actual property manager. And before you, I guess you tell us about the current transition, what were you doing in that job and what did you learn from that experience? So that was a, so like I said, they managed over 2000 units, but it was really cool because it was a team of less than 10 people. Um, and four or five of those were maintenance techs. So there were only a few of us in the office. So we got to do everything. We, you know, answered calls, did showings, lease signings, did the accounting stuff. Um, we would talk to owners a little bit, but, um, you know, mostly to like help their basic questions, stuff like that. But that was really cool because I wasn't an expert on anything, but I got to learn a lot about everything. 
So now going forward, you know, when I want to build my portfolio, I have all these little areas to touch on that I've already learned a little bit about. And like, like with the networking, I have people that I can go back to when I have more questions about that too. Okay. So that's good. I mean, that's, I mean, that really is a, a great experience for anyone out there listening who has, you know, has rental properties and is either hired a property manager or is trying to property manage themselves. I want to talk a little bit about what you learned and what you saw and maybe some tips you might have for people that are either hiring property managers or try, again, trying to do it themselves. Cause that's a great experience for you individually, you know, down the road when you have your rental portfolio or as you're building your rental portfolio, you know, to draw from whether it is, whether or not it's the fact that you're outsourcing that aspect, but you kind of know the business. So if you, you're going to probably be able to identify, a good property manager versus a bad property manager, or if you're doing it yourself, I don't know if you got to experience any one-on-one -on -one with the tenants or not, but you know, I'm sure whatever it is that you learned while working there will, will translate over to when you're, if you are managing your properties yourself. So did you, did you work directly with tenants? Yeah, absolutely. All the time. Um, and that was cool. I learned a lot, you know, we would, we manage some student properties. So there's this big lease up time when it's just a huge scramble and there's like a thousand students trying to rent all at once. So you could be showing a house to, you know, 10 groups of people in one day. And what I found really works for that is to be as engaging as possible. Say, oh, what's your major? What are you guys looking for in a house? Like, you know, even if this one doesn't work out, maybe we can find you another one. And, you know, just make the experience about them and saying, you know, we want to find like the best fit for you guys. And, you know, it's a little bit different when you get out of college and you have so much more that comes into play. Like, you know, are they good tenants? Have they been evicted? Credit score? Um, um, but with students, it's a little bit different, um, but just being engaging and, you know, emotions run high when there's a big charge they don't understand or if they're upset about something, but um, just staying, you know, calm. And, and I, the book, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, that is a, a really good book that I was able to, you know, I would read a chapter a day and say, okay, how can I apply this to my current job? And then a situation would arise and I would say, okay, this is perfect. I just read about this. Let's mingle the two together. And, you know, how can we solve this best for the tenants? Very cool. That's, that's some good advice. So was it, was there a certain aspect? And now I want to ask you about how, you know, the current transition that you're going through. Was it a certain aspect of property management deal? Was it dealing with the tenants? Was it your coworkers? Or did you just buy game stock or Bitcoin last week yeah. and make a bunch of money and now you just decided to retire early? <laughs> so that is, that's a great question. That is a tricky thing about property management. People don't often call you and say that, oh, you're doing such a great job. Thank you for all of your hard work. You know, they call you to yell at you. They call you, why are you doing this? I don't like you guys. Like, they don't often have nice things to say. Um, so that's hard for me to be yelled at all day, every day. Um, but it's also in how you approach it. And, you know, if you treat your tenants well, then they'll treat you well too. And, you know, there's just so many factors at work when you're working for a big company versus when it's just you who owns 10 properties or whatever. Yeah, um, and you were on the front lines of that. So it sounds like you take the brunt of it. You're the one on the other end of the phone when somebody's unhappy about something. And you know, that, you know, we, I've talked about this on other interviews with other guests. Um, 
you know, it takes a certain type of person, you know, to deal with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong if you're good at it or not as good at it or, or if you prefer it or don't prefer it. You know, a certain type of people are more okay with, I guess, confrontation and just dealing with other people while they're emotional. And then other people don't enjoy it as much. And that's that's fine. At least you got to learn if, if that's something that you like or you don't like. So going forward, either way, um, it's, again, something you'll be able to draw from that experience in the future, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So what are you? So what are you? What's your plan now? Did you just say I can't take it anymore and 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 kind of roll out of there, or what? What what happened? Kind of. So did you do like I, the who's coming with me thing? And like, yeah, right. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm still kind of in that transitional phase. So um, my my parents actually own some rental properties, so I'm doing a little bit of work with them behind the scenes. You know, just kind of like their accounting, bookkeeping, the boring stuff. Um, and then I have some other people I know that, you know, just need some help running their businesses, day-to-day stuff. So I'm doing that now for the time being. Um, but I actually bought a flip, a house to flip back in August. So focusing on that right now. And then I do want to get started, um, building my rental portfolio as well. Awesome. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit more about real estate investing and, and your flip. So was that, did you have a, a kind of a game plan as far as getting into real estate? And was it a, about, is there a process that you're going through? Or are you executing a plan? And, and is that why you started with the flip? So yes and no. I, I really wanted to get into buy and hold rentals, um, but the market was pretty pretty hot and there wasn't a lot on there, you know, with COVID and everything, people weren't trying, weren't selling their houses as much in our area. And so I connected um, with a realtor and we were just browsing through the MLS, seeing what was out there. And we found this property and it was at a good price. It had been on the market for a while um, and there wasn't anything wrong with it. It was just cosmetics, Um, but it's kind of a funny story how I got it actually. So the listing agent put it on the MLS, but she didn't click the button to put it on Zillow. So nobody knew that it existed. It was on the market for like a hundred days. Nobody knew that it was there. So we came in and um, the numbers looked great and I was going to turn it into a rental, but it's, it's in a condo association. So they don't allow that. So we just ended up flipping it and we'll take that cash and then put it in into the next one. Awesome. So that's cool. I'm going to ask a little bit more about this project, if you don't mind. Um, it, it's a condo and that and, and anybody out there who has kind of analyzed deals, you, you typically what you run into with condos is the condo fees throw out the numbers um, mm-hmm. for cash flow. It sounds like your community, that community didn't allow it. But, you know, from our area and from our market, typically the condo fees are so high that it skews the, uh, the cash flow when you're analyzing a deal. So, but you didn't let that stop you, whether it was that or the fact that you can't have it as a rental, you found a way to capitalize on what you saw as a good deal. So that's funny about not being on Zillow. I'll have to (laughs) make sure I check that, see if there's any (laughs) listings out there that have too many days on market. And then it's been a challenging market for everybody that last year, I think no matter what market you're in, um, inventory has been an issue, which is why a lot of people look to off market and things of that nature. But so you found this deal. How, what struck you? Was it the fact that it was just, uh, was it listed lower than it should have been? Or did you just make a low ball offer because it was on the market so long? Or what, what about the property when you saw the listing? Um, did you identify that made it a good deal to you? So first of all, what 
what, stu what stuck out to me was the condition that it just needed cosmetic repairs because, you know, this is my first property and I didn't have the confidence to go in and move walls or anything like that. So first of all, that that was really important to me. Um, but yeah, then, like you said, the numbers were were there. So um, it was lower than what it should have been. And then I also came in and offered lower way. Um, so they had originally listed it at 125. Then they lowered it to 115. Um, I offered 90. And then we met in the middle and I bought it for 100. So very nice. Very yeah. Nice. Look at you. Look at your negotiating strategy. Over yeah. there. Like <laughs> so what about about how long ago was this? That was in August. So there you go. You know, everybody that's having a hard time finding deals and saying it's impossible on market, it, it obviously is not impossible. So that's cool. So how did you, how did you take this down? How did you finance it? Primary or? I, um, I got a private loan. Okay. Yeah. I have some friends and family, you know, like I live and breathe real estate. It's all I talk about. So they know like that I'm passionate and that I for the most part, know what I'm talking about. Obviously, I still have a lot to learn, but I approached some people, um, and so I got a private loan for them. So OPM, and and this I want to I want to kind of drive this point home a little bit because I know a lot of people that haven't started investing yet and read you know read the books and they listen to the podcasts and you know they hear about OPM or other people's money or private money or hard money you know and if if you're getting started and, and capital is your issue and you don't have cash that whole aspect of other using other people's money can be can be really intimidating to people. And I think a lot of times people don't think it's something that's very realistic. But for our listeners out there who have been listening to our regular, you know, our weekly podcast, I, I'm guessing by now you're starting to hear that that's a pretty common theme coming through from our guest is using other people's money. So I just wanted to make that point that it it, it is real. And it is a great um, way to finance deals. And it's not like I think we I think people get caught up in the fact of feeling like you're asking somebody for money or you're borrowing money from somebody. That's not it. Like you're not you're not asking somebody to give you money to help you out. It's a mutual it's, it's a mutually beneficial agreement. You know, the person who's lending money is making money on their money as opposed to just sitting in the bank. Right. And it's it's great for certain people. It's not for everybody. It's not something that you should have to talk somebody into. It's a case of you finding those right people in either your network or other people's networks. There's people actually looking to do this stuff. There are people that looking are looking for places to park money and make private loans or private notes. So that's again, a cool thing about real estate investing is that there's not really one way to do it. There's not a straight line forward. You know, there's lots of different financing options or so you can get creative with financing. It really has to do with the deal and the people that you're working with and then any one person's ability to execute right um so i just wanted to drive that point home so that's awesome you're using private notes and i'm guessing then your offer was all cash yep mm -hmm, absolutely and, and then they um they the owners didn't live in wisconsin um so it was it was their mom who had passed and then they the two sons lived in colorado and florida and so i tried to make my offer as enticing and as possible there was a lot of stuff left in it so you know i said all cash but it, then it was lower and i said you don't have to fly back i'll just get rid of all your the, the extra stuff for you so i think that helped too yeah and that's great that's brilliant because you're identifying you know everybody a seller always has a motivation and i think when we're buying or we're in the process of acquiring property 
you know, you never know for sure, but the more you can find out about a seller's uh, motivation for selling, the better uh, opportunity you're going to get at getting a good deal. And so that's perfect. You, you knew the scenario and it made sense to you that it might be a hassle for them to have to deal with some of the stuff left in the house. So you made that part of the deal, you know, and that, that helped sweeten it for them and sweeten it for you, which is, which is great. Uh, so that's, that's a good point. And so now are you, is it, are you a live and flip? Are you living in it while you're fixing it up or is this? No. So that's just a flip. We don't live in it at all. Gotcha. And are you guys doing the work yourselves? Is it just you or you, you mentioned like uh, we a few times, is it, do you have a partner doing this with you? Yeah. My boyfriend is actually um, a carpenter. So, well, he's, he's, starting out he's in school for it so he's learning in school and then at the the flip house so it's been really cool for him to learn all this so um that's been really nice he's been able to do a lot of that and then you know of course we've had friends and family but him and i are kind of just learning on the fly awesome so you're do-it-yourselfers as well yeah for sure and this is the first time you've really done anything like this so you don't have a lot of experience with with renovating or anything like that Absolutely none. <laughs> Thank God for YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. YouTube and I, yeah, we call everyone. We're like, how do we do this? What's going on? What is going, what do we do? Yeah. And well, I mean, and that's it. That's basically, I say this all the time on the podcast, like the best way to learn is by just getting in there and doing it at the same time. That's usually what holds people back from doing it because of the, the fear of the unknown or you know, being afraid of not being able to do it or what to not knowing what to expect. But really, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it never goes perfect, right? It's never go, it right. never goes perfectly smooth. So even if you knew everything, like I'm, I'm a contractor, I do contracting. I know a good bit about renovating and stuff, but every project I've ever done, something comes up that I wasn't anticipating. So it's, right. it's just, it's a nature of the beast, you know, but for people that are learning, it's the best way, you know, because if you get in there and do it, you know, so like you're gaining experience all the way around, working with a realtor as far as finding and identifying a property, getting creative with the financing and, and working with private money and, 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 and private lenders, and then now getting in and doing, doing the work yourself. So this, this whole project, this, this process, I would imagine is really being, is really helpful to you as far as gaining experience and that will enable you to be more success, successful moving forward, I would imagine. Yeah. So what's the plan? I mean, how far along in this process are you, of this project are you? And when do you think you're going to be on market? You don't have to get into your numbers, but are you going to take whatever yield you get out of that or whatever profits you get out of that and then do what? So it's actually on the market, um, but for whatever reason, things in this city are moving so slow right now. So we're doing everything we can. We got it staged. I have it listed every single place I can possibly think of. Um, and showings are definitely picking up, um, but it's it's kind of a waiting game at this point. We have, we've gotten an offer, um, didn't end up working out, but it's just a little bit slower right now. So we're all done with it, um, which is kind of fun because I know, because it's really cute. So then we'll just go hang out there sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yes, that is our plan then to roll the, the profit that we make from this one into a rental property. So we're already on the lookout, but also waiting for this one to sell too. Awesome. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's part of real estate, right? Sometimes things go quick and sometimes things go slow and it can be a waiting game. I mean, we are coming out of the holiday and mm -hmm. there are things around here 
moved very slowly throughout through the holidays, you know, but coming into the new year and as the weather starts to break a little bit, that usually helps move things along. So I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you guys will get, get the offer you're looking for sooner yeah. rather than later. So you're going to, from here, are you going to try to continue flipping or I guess you want to use that money as a down payment on a buy and hold? Or are you going to look for something that you can house hack like a duplex that you can live in as well, or just start building out the, the actual rental portfolio? So yeah, next we're looking for um, like a house hack burr. So we don't mind if it needs some more work, but we also want our living expenses to be covered for the most part. So that's where we're looking next. We're kind of exploring different markets right now. Um, but back to the, the realtor thing, I just want to make a point like that wasn't the first realtor I worked with and that wasn't the first house I toured. I had probably been doing that for a year and I think that was my fifth realtor because it's just a trial and error game. You work with someone, you ask them a bunch of questions and sometimes it doesn't work out or they offer you advice and it's you know, wrong, you realize, or they don't completely understand it, or you just, I, I, I probably toured like 50 houses before I found the one that we ended up buying. So I just want to stress that like, it wasn't as simple as, oh, I went on my computer, found a house, bought it, flipped it. And that was that, like, it took a lot of trial and error. And we made a lot of mistakes too. Like it was definitely a fun learning process, but it was also very stressful. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Two, two things on that. No, number one, you know, not every realtor is really set up to work with investors, right? Any realtor wants to make a sale. So they'll, mm -hmm. te they'll tell you that they're happy to work with investors. Some of them, I guess, won't because they get a little bit tired of yeah. just making offers. Because really, as investors, a lot of the times, if you're going on market, it's about just making offers and volume before you get one. And some realtors don't, don't necessarily enjoy doing that. They don't want to make an offer that they don't feel confident it's going to get accepted. But on the flip side of that, you know, there are realtors out there that have experience and work with investors. So they kind of know the game. A lot of them do investing themselves. So they know the game. They know why somebody's going to be buying something or they know what would make sense for an investor to buy and what wouldn't make sense for an investor to buy. And if you can really hook up with the right one, they're typically networked too. So you might be able mm -hmm. to find hard money contacts or contractors or you know so on and so forth that they may even want to partner with you so finding you know a good realtor that's got experience with working with investors i think is a great point that you just made it sounds like hopefully you found one after going through several but the other point i wanted the other thing about what you the point you just made that it's not as easy as just kind of saying hey i want to go do this right now and do it i mean it can be a challenge it can be frustrating and it's a lot of repetition there's a lot of swinging and missing you know, before you even just can get a base hit sometimes. Sometimes you get all right off the bat. I mean, it works. It just depends on when the deal's there and, and it lines up right. But more times than not, you have to make offers. You have to analyze a ton of deals and see that they're not, they don't work before you see the one that, that does, you know. And the fact that you said you did it for a year, didn't let it get, you know, didn't let it discourage you. you I'm sure got frustrated, but you kept at it and kept on and it looks like it's paying off for you. So that's a, that's a good those are two good points that you just made. Um, really, really, really good stuff right there. So now when you go to buying uh, a buy and hold, you said you want to kind of do a house hack first. So I guess you're going to look for like a two unit dwelling, a duplex or something like that, that you could kind of live in and then also rent the other side out to cover your overhead. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly okay. what we're looking for. And then while I guess living there, you kind of want to fix it up. Um, and let it season and then go do a cash out refi. Sounds like 
So mm-hmm. then you have then you have your permanent mortgage in place that your neighbor tenant is paying for you. And then that gives you the cash to go repeat the process, right? Yeah. Yeah. So can you can you explain that? I just did a kind of like an overview of that process. Can you go a little get a little bit more detail for, for people, you know, specifically about what it is you're going to try to do and, and why and how that works, I guess? Yeah. So we want to try to find um, a multifamily. So probably two unit, maybe a three um, and maybe one that needs a little bit of work. So we want to add some value, increase the, the property value of it. Um, and also simultaneously be renting it out so that our expenses are covered so that the tenant on the other side, you know, hopefully their rent is enough to cover the whole mortgage, maybe um, the holding costs, you know, utilities, taxes, insurance, stuff like that. Um, but while in the meantime, we're increasing the value of our side. And then if the other side needs some work, we could always move over if that lease ends yeah. up expiring yeah, and increase yeah. both sides of it too. Yeah. And then raise the rents too in the meantime. Yeah. And then, so I guess you're going to buy cash again. Is that the plan? Like with, with private loans? That, yeah, we haven't honestly talked that far ahead. That would okay. be ideal. Yeah. Um, you know, cause that is very appealing to someone when you buy a property from them, all cash, you don't have that financing contingency, but we honestly haven't talked that far ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was just curious because, you know, when you're going, if you're going to try to burr at that spread of where you're buying versus what that appraised value at the end, the, the further those two can be apart, the better chances of being successful you are. And, you know, when you're making lower, less than asking offers, you know, cash, like you just said, is appealing to people. So I was yeah, just curious okay. there. But, it, you know, <laughs> if you're able to pull that off, using the money from the flip and then if you have private money in place that you can work with again take it down cash fix it up while the other side is paying your carrying costs you know and then switch with that tenant let them move into the nice fixed up one then you move in and do the other same thing to the other side now you've got a fully renovated updated duplex that you could go get an appraisal for or refinance with the bank and ideally that appraised value is going to come in what you know 30 percent or so over what you've got all in which would allow you to then refinance a cash out loan and take all of your costs out and put it into your pocket or pay back your private money lender and put your profit from the flip back into your pocket. Now you've got a long-term two long-term tenants ideally in place. You've got yeah. a mortgage in place and you've got your cash again to recycle and repeat the process. So mm-hmm. just wanted to kind of get go through exactly what that looks like for our listeners out there. That's cool. That's exciting. So you, you know, this, Sounds like the whole process, you know, you, you, you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you got into property management, maybe on purpose or by accident. And then, but you guys have a plan. And I like the thing I like about you and what you're doing with your boyfriend is that you're like, it sounds like you guys made this commitment. So you kind of left your job. He's going full force with carpentry and learning the contracting side of things. And you guys are all in on this, right? And, and I, that's, that's awesome to me. So, okay, now it's time for our advice from our invest guest. Uh, I've got three questions for you. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and start with number one. For people, what would you recommend to people who haven't started investing yet that want to get started and something that, that you could recommend they do right now that could help them get on their way? So it's kind of twofold. Um my first piece is educate yourself as much as possible. So read books, listen to podcasts, um, but also do free things. Go to open houses, go schedule a few showings with a 
property management company because that's their job is to show you properties. So go learn as much as you can and pick the brain of everyone that you possibly can meet. Um, and then the second one is while you're learning, also take action. So take, even if you're not buying a house next month, call a few realtors, ask a few questions, and then you get the wiggles out. You get those questions out that you may think sound silly in your head, um, but then you're able to ask someone and if, you know, they're not gonna laugh at you, but if they do, you can just move on to the next one. Um, ask as many people as you possibly can find, as many questions as you can think of, and just don't stop learning and don't limit yourself to just one area. Yeah, great, great advice. I mean, that's, because, you know, I think, Again, back to if, if even when I was first getting started, you kind of naturally have this feeling of like you're out of place or something like that, or you're going to ask a question that doesn't sounds dumb to other people. But you know that you got to put that to the side. I mean, really, to be successful in real estate investing and to get into real estate investing, you need to get networked. Like it's very difficult to do it solely on your own, completely on your own. I mean, you you need to go to real estate meetups. You need to get on the invest nest and create a profile. You need to make contacts with realtors, hard money lenders, contractors, property managers. And even if you're not using them, just being around them and talking real estate is really the, I think one of the first key steps to getting started in the process. Really, like you said, educating yourself, kind of need to be able to talk the talk, right? You know, so mm -hmm. you, not so that you don't sound like you don't know what you're doing, but so that you know the questions to ask, right? You need to know the terminology in order to, find out if it's a good deal or a bad deal or what, or be able to just have the conversation. So two excellent recommendations there. Okay. Now, number two, looking back, is there anything you would do differently that maybe people are, that are getting started could avoid if there were any mistakes or any missteps that you took, anything you would say um, that you might do differently? Yeah. So we did a lot of DIY on our first property, um, the flip that I was talking about. And while that was really good, you know, we saved money, we learned a lot. We also failed quite a bit. So I would not be afraid to hire out contractors and you don't have to hire someone to do the whole project but hire an electrician and just walk around with them and ask them as many questions um, as you can and you know if there's some big project you want to tackle like installing sinks or, or um, countertops or something like that like just don't be afraid to hire someone or even call someone like a relative, maybe maybe there's someone in your family who knows how to do that and you're just not thinking of like, don't be afraid to, uh, what's the term, like fail forward. Like try as much as you can, but also call in help when you need it. And yeah. don't feel like you're less than or anything because you have to ask for help. Like that's what you should be doing. That's how you learn if yeah. from, you know, from making the mistakes and trying it yourself. Yeah, no, that's good advice. I mean, it, you don't, don't be afraid to ask for help, right? I think that's, I think that's the point I'm getting from, yeah. you, you know, it, it's, it's, try, you can try and take on what you can take on, but, and maybe going through the process of learn, of doing it yourself, you kind of learn what you're good at and what you're not so good at. So you, in some case, in certain, in some regard, you almost may have to go through that process to an extent, but as you're going through the process, and you realize there are things that you're having issues or challenges with, don't be afraid to look for help or ask for help. 
you know, and try to take that burden on solely. Another point I will I want to make is that it's also very critical too, though, when we're talking about this stuff to know your numbers, right? So mm-hmm. if, if you didn't budget a lot of outsourcing and, and your rehab costs have you doing everything, you know, you could get yourself in a bind if you have to outsource it. So just really, you know, and I've got some announcements to make with the InvestNest website coming up pretty soon. Um, but, you know, just I'm going to be talking over the next few weeks a lot about analyzing deals and knowing your numbers, because that really is going to attribute directly to the success or failure of a, of a venture. So yeah, great good, point. Great good stuff there. And then, okay, so um, number three, you already mentioned a book earlier, and that could be your answer here as well, but just a book, a must read for new investors looking to learn. Um, any recommendations as far as a book read? So yeah, my recommendation just came out not too long ago. It's it's called The Only Woman in the Room. Um, and it, it's a really inspirational story. And it's not just for women. You know, it, it's written by 20 women. And, you know, it tells their stories of where they came from and how they overcame st- their obstacles and how they got to be where they are today. But yes, of course, it's more focused towards women, but it's so inspirational and everybody comes from a different background and everyone is able to, you know, focus and network and just build their way out of whatever they came from and create an empire or create whatever you want to create. But that was a really cool book. I got that for Christmas and I finished it like almost immediately. Awesome. Great advice. You know, I've, I've heard that come through from several people. It's been a, it's been a strong recommendation. Um, so I'm definitely going to have to check that out. It's uh, it sounds like it's an excellent read. So great, yeah. great advice there. All right. Well, uh, Rachel, this has been a lot of fun um, for our listeners out there that want to connect with you, want to learn more about what you're doing or how, how you got to where you are right now. How can people find you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Um, my handle is at Rachel's Rentals, and that's R-A-C-H-E-L. Um, and that's where I primarily network and post stuff. And then I'm also on some Facebook pages too. Awesome. Very cool. Well, I'll put the links down in the show notes for any of our listeners that want to reach out. And I have checked out your uh, Instagram page. It's very cool. You, it looks like you guys are sharing a lot of the, the DIY stuff that you've been doing with your renovations. And it's awesome to see you guys out there, you know, getting, getting, getting dirty and getting things done and making yeah. it happen on your, <laughs> on your project. And it's cool to be able to follow along too. So, you know, I'm pulling for you. I'm, I'm sure our listeners are pulling for you and wish you the best of luck with the, with the, with the, the sale of the, of the flip and, uh, and all of your future endeavors for 2021 and beyond. So good luck with everything. And uh, thanks for joining me. I mean, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, I hope, you know, hope to have you back sometime. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a great time. Really enjoyed it. Awesome. Thanks again, Rachel. And for everybody out there, it's uh, at Rachel's Rentals on Instagram. And be sure to check uh, check out her profile. And I'll have her, her links down in the show notes below. And I also want to thank all of our listeners out there for joining us again this week. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Rachel as much as I did. She's really doing a great job of documenting her real estate investing journey on uh, Instagram. So to see what she's doing and follow along, go check out Rachel's Rentals on Instagram. It's really cool, really cool stuff. Uh, So thanks again, everybody. Um, Just want to remind everybody out there who's listening to please hit the subscribe button. Again, I, I really do appreciate everybody tuning in. I can see our numbers rising every week. So keep spreading the word. Keep leaving those reviews and ratings. It's really helping out. And of course, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So go follow along there at The Invest Nest. And like I said at the beginning of the show, theinvestnest.com, 
It's an online community for real estate investors. And we have a lot of new features coming out very soon. A lot of cool tools that are going to help uh, all the investors out there. Um, and I'll be making some announcements very soon on that stuff as far as what we're doing. So stay tuned there. All right. Thanks again, everybody. As always, I'm your host, Travis Murphy, and you're listening to the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us on the InvestNest Real Estate Investing Show. Be sure to join the InvestNest.com and start learning and earning today.